episode number 80, take two. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. Getting started on a design is probably the hardest step that you'll always face in this career. Where does the motivation come from and what path is going to get you to your desired conclusion? Today we're going to try and find some of those answers to those questions. Alright, I know I said in the last little blurb that I put out that I wasn't going to do news, but some new news has come up since then, so let's check it out. Uh, The first thing, the podcast awards are back. And if you've been listening to Rookie Designer for about a year or so, you'll probably remember these. Uh, I was pushing pretty hard last year. We got in the top five and got very close to winning, I believe. Uh, That, of course, was taken by Tips from the Top Floor, a very deserving podcast as well. Um, But they're back. So they started on the 1st, and from the 1st to the 15th of July, you actually can go up and nominate podcasts. And to do this, you're going to go to podcastawards.com. And there's at the very top of the page, it'll say podcast awards nominations are now open. It'll say click here to nominate. If you go there, you're going to be given a lot of fields for a lot of different categories. Um, I'm going to ask that if you want to vote for me, that you put me in the education category. And uh, you're just going to have to put in rookie designer for the podcast name and then rookiedesigner.com slash rookie for the podcast URL. And uh, also, if you watch Quick Tips for Designers, you could also put that in the technology slash science category. And same thing for that, Quick Tips for Designers and then rookiedesigner.com slash quick tips. Uh, you can only nominate once. And actually, once you fill in the, the podcast and definitely put in other podcasts, if you listen to them, everybody can benefit from this. Um, once you do that, you put in your details, your name, your email address, and whether you're a listener, podcaster, or both. And uh, you can only nominate once, and after the 15th, they're going to pick a top five again, just like they did last year. And when they have the top five for all the categories, then they open up voting and you can start voting. Um, I guess we can see what happens there if we get in there or not. My thing was, uh, last year I really pushed this hard, and we got very close. This year, I I don't think I'm going to do that. Definitely, if you want to support this show, if you want to help us get some exposure, then go do it. You know, if you have the time to go do it, I'd ask that you do it. But last year I was sending all kinds of emails and messages on MySpace and I was, you know, recording little blurbs when it wasn't time for a podcast even. I was asking people to vote. Probably not going to do that this year. I'm not, not really that concerned with it. Although, you know, I can say that it does do some good. We did get some exposure because of that, and I know other podcasters that got exposure because of that as well. So, you know, if you if you have the time and you want to go up and nominate or vote for us, please definitely do that because you will be helping us out. And let me ask too that you, because he supports me so much, if you're going to go up and vote for me, vote for my buddy as well, and that's in the Podsafe music category. Uh, please vote for the Plan 9 Rock Show. And if you like the music that I play at the end of my podcast, then you'll you'll love this show. So you should check it out anyways. But uh, yeah, it's called the Plan 9 Rock Show. And uh, the URL for that is plan9print.com. And uh, that would be cool if you voted for him as well. Because like I said, he's very supportive, supportive of me. And he asks all his listeners to vote for Rookie Designer as well. And uh, that's, that's about it on that one. So uh, after the 15th, we'll see if we're in that top five. If so, then maybe I'll ask you guys to vote for me if you, if you want to. All right. Uh, the next thing is spam and the forum. I put out a little post on this yesterday, but just in case you didn't get it, um, there was lots of spam, as you may have known, if you visited the forum, we were getting tons and tons of spam, some very offensive spam, even with, with uh, porn pictures in it. So uh, finally, I did something about it. First of all, what I did is I I changed the registration process to it actually sends me an email and I get to look at who's trying to register and then accept or deny them. That was the first step. That worked pretty well. We haven't had spam in about a week since I did it. Uh, The other thing I did is just put in a a new mod and a mod is a modification to the code 
that does something that makes it harder for for spam bots to get in to register. And that's who was doing these things. They weren't actual people. It's just programs or scripts that somebody wrote that go up and register a bunch and bunch of times. And they do one spam post per registration. And then they just ditch it. So obviously very annoying. You can see if you go down to the bottom that there's like 4,000 members. And obviously there's not that many members. It's just all these spam bots. So what this thing has done, it well, first of all, let me say it didn't work with the template that I had. So I had to go back to the, the default template again. So sorry for the change. We had to change things again, but it's all pretty much the same. Um, I will be making that hopefully look a little bit better than it does because it's pretty uh, gross looking. Anyways, um, it helps because when you go to register now, it gives you some special instructions on there that the way this works, spy bots obviously can't read because they're not people. So it gives you special instructions of what to do and what not to do particularly. And then if you do it, it sends me an email and it doesn't let you register if you don't follow the directions. So make sure if you're going to register for the forum that you read all the directions very carefully. It's not hard to see. It's all in, it's in big red, in a big red box. So just pay attention. You'll be able to tell. Anyways, I hope I hope uh, that's okay with everybody, and and it should make for a better experience because there's not going to be spammers in there now, or hopefully not. Okay, uh, regular stuff. You know, if you guys want to share stories with me, I'm asking you to do that. Whether it be you recording something and sending sending it to me, or just writing me an email, you can always email me Adam at RickyDesigner.com, and. Uh, Thanks thanks for those of you that do email me and, and share your story with me or just share any kind of comment with me. I really like it. And uh, while I'm in the thanking mode, thank thank everybody for listening. Thank you, uh, people who have been me, with me for that year and that voted for me last year in the, in the podcast awards. And thank you to those who are maybe just joining us today. And I hope you, I hope you like what you hear and go back through the, the archives and check out what else we've talked about in the past. Uh, the other one is tell a friend program. You know about this. Just make sure you tell anybody that you know who might benefit from this, anybody who's in design in any way, tell them about this show. Let them know if you like it or don't like it. Hopefully you do. And uh, that's about it. Before we get started, let me just let you know that this podcast is being brought to you by GoToMeeting. And GoToMeeting is a neat little application that lets you meet online and Basically, make it like you're all in the same room, even if you're not. You could have you could be meeting with people in another country, but you can still show them exactly what you're doing on your screen. And much like I do in Quick Tips for Designers, where I share the screen and you can see me going through the application and doing everything, same deal here. Everybody logs in through the internet in their browser, and they're able to see what you're doing on your desktop. Very, very cool stuff. We use this at my work, so uh, hopefully you check it out. Um, you can try it for free for 45 days. You just need to go to gotomeeting.com forward slash podcast. That's gotomeeting.com forward slash podcast. And you'll be able to fill out a little form, download the software and give it a try. So do that if you want to. All right. So the topic for today is kind of a mental approach to design or an approach to design. One of our listeners, Russell, asked me, you know, what's your mental approach when you get into a project? What are the first things that you do? How do you prepare yourself before you get into the nitty gritty of actually doing the production? So I thought this was pretty good. Great thing to talk about. And uh, there's many things, many things you think about. But the first one that I'd have to say that we really need to focus on is this discussion about art versus design. Before we even start thinking about what path we're going to take, what tools we're going to use, you know, what kind of imagery we need. We need to think about the bare bones of this. What is this thing for? What is this design for? And let's start by pointing out the differences here. And I think I've done this many times before, maybe not in this way, but in different ways. We need to define these two things. So design design is artwork, and you hear me call it artwork all the time, and hopefully that's not too confusing. It's not artwork in the same way that a fine art piece is. Fine art is is art, and I don't want to devalue this because I'm going to say something and it's going to sound like no feeling goes into art, and that's obviously not the case, but art is fine art is art for the sake of being art. Now, yes, there are other intentions behind it, 
but it doesn't relate the same way that design is art, but design is art with a function. It's supposed to do something. It has a purpose. Whether it's getting a new brand out for a company or educating people on certain things, it has a function. And fine art doesn't usually fall under that kind of category. So what we need to do is find the balance between the two. And granted, this could be lopsided either way. Maybe we have just a, you know some kind of message that we're getting out and it's something that people are very familiar with already. And all you're trying to do is create something that's very eye-catching, that's that's very stimulating. Then, you know, maybe that piece will be a little more on the artistic side and a little less on the functionality side. Whereas maybe another, you know, you're making a document that's supposed to train people or teach people something, you're probably going to swing more towards the design with a function side of things rather than, you know, making it artwork. So we need to, like I said, find the balance between the two of those, figure out what, you know, which one we're going to be leaning towards if it is, and maybe it's 50-50, maybe it's all one and none the other. We need to, we need to point this out though, before we get, get going, because things could start going very wrong if we don't know this before we start. So I'm going to say in most cases, your design has to be functional. It has to serve some sort of purpose. And this is because they're hiring us for a certain reason here. And clients, they want to see ROI. They want to see a return on their investment. They're giving us a certain amount of money to do this thing. And in return for that, they want to see something coming back to them, whether it's more sales calls. If you maybe you set up a website for them that was supposed to bring in more sales calls. Uh, maybe they just want to see people recognizing their brand a little more or, you know, being educated on certain things. So we need to make sure that we serve the purpose that this piece is for. And that should be outlined to you by your client. And if you don't understand what the purpose is, I think we're going to get into this later, but you need to understand what the purpose of your your piece is. Um, I also kind of listed this as one of the things that could be hindering designers. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have definitely had someone come up to me before and say, hand me like a, a word document that's supposed to be turned into a flyer and say, make this pretty. And, um, that to me shows a little bit of disrespect. And, and we know that there's this, there's this thought out there that some people have that, you know, our job isn't important because that's what they think. They think we just make things pretty. They don't, they don't take into account the the fact that we're making communications with people. They just think that we're taking it into Photoshop and drawing some flowers on it or something. So, you know, not knowing the difference between artwork with a purpose and, and artworks for the sake of making something pretty, that's going to kind of feed into that notion that people have. So be careful with that. I mean, first of all, it's, it's not going to help you in your work because it's not going to serve the function that it's supposed to. But also, I mean, you're, you're, I think you're, you could be degrading artists and designers in general. And I, I, hopefully that doesn't sound too harsh, but I think it does a little bit. And that's where those, that's where those stereotypes come from, I believe. Okay. The next thing I have is to identify the problem. And this is kind of what I was just talking about. It might sound like a strange way of putting it, but basically these people have problems that they need, need us to solve. So we find the solutions to the problem. A good example of this is, let's say there's a new store in town and there's not enough people visiting the store. That's a problem. And we got to find the solution. So maybe one of our solutions is to send out a mailer, make a little postcard or a little booklet that you send out in the mail to people in a certain radius of this store, people close enough to want to come to this store. And of course, you know, hopefully our conclusion is people get those things. Maybe there's coupons in them or something like that, or maybe there's just, to, you know, good deals in it. And they come to the store. Problem solved, right? Well, that was all the pieces that we needed. The client had the problem for us. We had the solution. We put it in action and it worked. Hopefully that's how every job will go, right? So basically what we get, we need to do first of all is define what the function of the piece is. That's what I said in the last step. If you don't know what your piece is supposed to be doing, then you're probably going to fail horribly. You got to know what what this thing has to do or else you're just going to be making art for the sake of art you're not going to be making it to do to solve the problem that you're supposed to be solving so some ways to to do that 
some ways to help you do that. Like I said, the client is most likely going to present you with this problem that they have, but it's not always going to be as cut and dry as um, there's there's not enough people coming to my store, so we need to make a mailer. You know, it's it's not always that easy. So what we need to do is find out a little bit about our client and ways, different ways to do that. First of all, you need to research it. And this kind of goes, I can't remember where I was talking about this. I think it had to do with, uh, maybe we were talking about the same thing, but I think also when we were talking about getting a job and finding out about, you know, the company, the potential company that you want to work for, it's a good thing to do research on them. And uh, I believe we talked about this in freelance as well. You need to know about the company. You need to know about their history. A good place to find some of that stuff is on the internet, of course. Um, going and talking to the client too. I mean, you're, you're probably going to do this a couple of times. But I say maybe for the first time, leave the marketing genius out of the fold. Just go there and talk to the owners of the business and get a feel for what they think their business is, what they want it to be, what what their message is, what what their philosophy is about life and about business and about everything. Just try and get a good feeling for these people. And then later on, you know, the marketing person, if there is one, you'll be working with them hand in hand. But I think it's good for you to go and and get your own idea of what's going on there without having some marketing person tell you, which uh, in a lot of cases, you'll find that they will because that's their job, really. But as designers, I I want to know as much as I can about this business, about where they've been in the past and where they want to go in the future. It's also good to just understand the the clients or the owner's tastes. One thing that I like to do, and it's not to say that I'm going to actually use this, this information and put it into action that way. One thing I like to do when somebody wants me to make something is I ask them, you know, what do you like? What have you seen out there that you've liked a lot? So uh, the best example is websites because that's the easiest one to do. If I'm making a website for somebody, first thing I do is say, why don't you go, I'm, I'm sure you have your favorite websites, go out there, find some, find about five or 10 and send them to me and let me, you know, maybe even write up a little bit of something and say, you know, I like the the navigation from this one. I like the layout from this one. I like the colors, whatever, whatever it may be. And like I said, that doesn't, that shouldn't sway me. I'm not doing that so I can copy all these different pieces off of this other website and make them one that's, you know, the super website for them because that's what they like. Cause that's, that's not always going to work either. Um, was that last time? I think last episode, the last full episode, we were talking about making a website and the client just loved it. Everybody loved it, thought it was great. But again, it was, it was that same deal of everybody likes it, but did it really serve the, the purpose? And it didn't, it didn't bring more people to their website. Anyways, before we go off track, this is not to take things away from that website. It's to learn more about the client and what their tastes are. Like I just said, what they like might not always be the best thing for the business, but you know, it's a nice piece of information to have. The next thing is to immerse yourself in the business. And this is just taking things a step further. And if you can, sometimes this won't exactly work or won't be relevant, but if you can visit the place of business. I was reading this other article and they were talking about uh, doing work for a restaurant. And if you do work for a restaurant, let's say you're you're preparing a new menu for them. You obviously want to go there and see what the place is like. First of all, to maybe see what the old menu looks like. But second of all, to, to get the atmosphere of the place, because that's going to have a lot to do with, you know, how the how the artwork looks or how the design looks. You want it to have that same feeling have that same ambiance as the place does. So visit the place of business. Like I said, it's not always going to be relevant. Sometimes it's somebody that makes something and the only thing you'd be able to visit is a factory, which I mean, could be helpful as well. So maybe do that, but it's not going to be the same thing as visiting like a a place of business, like a restaurant. Uh, The next one is to look at what materials they currently use for their promotion. So like I said, if we go to the restaurant, we're going to take a look at that menu. Uh, you might also take a look. There's lots of things on the tables these days, table tents and little uh, flip book things with that desserts and drinks in them, stuff like that. Um, if you go to like a bank, you can look at all the brochures that they have, the signage. There's lots of signage everywhere and lots of uh, uh, billboardy 
point of sale type of things, things that made out of cardboard or maybe little, uh, I'm losing my words now, but you get the point. There's lots of things everywhere. And if you visit the place, you can see what they're doing already and maybe see a, what they're doing wrong, B where they need to go with it. Maybe they're on the right track, but they're just not there yet. You can see different things about it and in being there and actually interacting with what they have, I think is going to, going to put you on the right track. The next one is to talk with some of the customers. Now, again, this one's going to be kind of different depending on what kind of business it is. So I have next to this, ask for, ask for permission. If you go to a bank, obviously a bank wouldn't want you talking to their customers. It's just not the right place to do that. But if you're in a restaurant, you probably could, but still ask for permission. You don't want to be walking up to somebody's table. They don't know who you are. And uh, you just start asking them questions about this place. Now, they might have certain customers that they want you to talk to. I've said that businesses before, they have these these all-star customers that, that just love them that they're going to have you talk to. And that's good. It's good to give that get get that good perspective. But also sometimes they can give you the bad as well because, you know, I've had places that I love, but there's always these little things, little maybe ticky-tack things that I don't like about it. But they can give you the overall view of what it's about. But just talking to random people, if you're if you're working do working for a restaurant, you're making a menu like we said, talking to some people and maybe talking to them specifically about the menu and what they think and how they how they think it works or just whatever you need to know, you can learn a bit more that way. Um, the last thing that was in that article was, uh, I thought it was pretty extreme, but I, I thought it was interesting. They said, actually work a shift at the place that you're doing business for. So again, they were talking about uh, working for a restaurant. It's actually taking a shift as a waiter or a waitress would be a way for you to be able to talk to whoever you want. Well, whoever was at your tables. I thought that was a little extreme, but you know, if you want to take it off the deep end, that that would be definitely a good way to infiltrate and be able to talk to people and uh, really know what's going on in the restaurant, uh, both in the front and in the back where, where all the action is happening. So basically, you know, we're just trying to, to build some research to find some things out about the business itself the client or the owners of the business or the, whoever the client is. And most importantly, what this problem is and how we're going to solve it. we got to know what the problem is before we know how to solve it. So we need to figure out what the function of this piece is going to be. The keys to the game. Our key command for today is actually for the browser. And it's for pretty much all browsers. I believe it. I've tested it in a few and it worked in pretty much all of them. And it works on both Mac and PC, which is great. And what this one is, it gets you up into the address bar. So, you know, you, if you're typing or if you're just reading, you don't have your hand on the mouse. Even if you do, you don't have to move the mouse all the way up. Click in the, in the address bar, maybe click three times to select it all. It just highlights it and you can start typing and then you can hit enter and go to your next website of choice. To do this, on the Mac, we're going to press Command and L, and on the PC, we're going to press Control and L. So save yourself a bit of time and browse the net that much more efficiently. So once we know that what it is that we're actually shooting for, we know what our piece is supposed to do, we know there is a problem out there, and we maybe start to have a couple of ideas of how to get that problem solved, it's time to formulate a plan of attack. And of course, planning requires knowledge. And that knowledge that we need is, is certain things about the project itself, like what elements do we need? What elements do we have available to us in a project? And uh, I'd say a good example of what do we have available. I have to give the example of the web design where maybe you have people who have older browsers that are still visiting your website. So certain things aren't going to be available to you. You're not going to be able to use... Uh, certain technologies or certain scripts because it's just not going to show up right in their browser. So that's a good example of that. Um, but what do we need? You know, what's there for us to actually use out of what we need? What tools are we going to be using? Uh, this usually and more specifically means what applications are we going to be using? But this can tell you a lot of things about the project, such as how hard it's going to be and how long it's going to take you. 
And these things just kind of contribute into what we need to do, first of all, once we figure out you know, what it is we're doing and we start making this plan. This is when we're starting to figure out what we're going to charge the client. So that is if there is a client. Um, I guess we could be talking this way about a full-time job as well, but I tend to think of it more of as a, a freelance thing. So this is when we're going to be figuring out how much we're going to charge. And of course, knowing what tools we're going to be using and how long it's going to take us and what elements we need, that's going to help us get a better idea of how much we should charge. All those things kind of go into, we've had that discussion of how you figure out how much to charge somebody. These are all kind of the issues that we face. Uh, the third one that I said there, how much time do we have to execute this? And this will tell you a couple of things. Uh, if you don't have very much time, then you're going to have to have kind of an aggressive schedule. You're really going to have to attack this project and get those phases done very quickly. Uh, example that I had was one of the first jobs that I applied for or that I interviewed for was working for a Yellow Pages place. It was like a company that made the ads for the Yellow Pagers, Yellow Pages. And this, of course, they wanted you to get like between seven and 10 of these things done a day. And it's not really a big deal. They're like, what, two inches wide by five inches tall, something like that. Um, there are some four, four color. There are some that are just black and white or black and yellow, rather. And, you know, you wouldn't think that many of them have that much design element in them, but some of them do. And it's it's just very quick. You have to do things very quickly and you have to be ready to just fire off the ideas, work through them and, and get to that last one and, and conclude the the project. So... Sometimes you have to have that aggressive schedule. Now, other times you're going to have more of a relaxed schedule. It's going to be more kind of calculated because the content is much, much more important than getting something done quickly. And I think you're going to find this obviously isn't always the case, but you're going to find these differences between different size clients. Anyway, that's what, that's the way I've seen it so far in that these smaller clients that I have, and first of all, it's it's calculated on their end as well. You got to think about, they have to come up with the idea that they even want something first, right? So these smaller companies, it seems like just on a whim, all of a sudden they're like, oh, we should do this. And then they find out that they need to have, you know, they're going to do a magazine ad. And then they call the magazine and they find out that they have to have the ad in within like two days. And then they call us, the designer, and say, oh man, I need to rush on this. This has to go right now. Because all they're concerned about is getting an ad placement in the, mag in the actual magazine. Where this could be different to where the content is much more important and they take their time and everything's very calculated, every move that they make. I say you're going to find this more with larger companies that are spending lots and lots of money on this one piece. Let's say they're doing a magazine ad as well. It's probably just instead of being, you know, a quarter of the page, it's like a two page spread. They're going to spend a lot and a lot of money on this. And it's probably going to be a national ad campaign. It's got to reach a lot of people. It's got to have that very important message in it. And the message isn't just, you know, for more information, call us at 1-800-blah-blah-blah-blah. That's usually what the smaller company has. That's, that's what they use. That's what they give you two days notice on. This larger company, everything is calculated. Everything ties into the campaign that going on their, they have going on their website, maybe some billboards, maybe TV commercials. Everything's got to work right. So they're going to take their time. They're going to create it. They're going to give you a lot more time to create this thing and make sure that it's right instead of rushing it in. So, you know, these, these are two extremes. Most times you're not going to be on one extreme or the other. More likely, if you are on one, one side of the extreme, it's going to be on the aggressive schedule. You're going to have these smaller clients that want to get stuff done very quickly. And it's probably because of poor preparation on their side. But nonetheless, I think most of the time you'll find yourself somewhere in between there. You should have you know a good week or two at least to do a project. But this all goes into our planning because we need to know how long we have to get that research done, to have meetings with the clients, to start preparing some ideas, uh, begin our planning phase as we're talking about right now, and then actually get into the nitty gritty of doing the production work, doing different iterations for them, uh, fixing all the last final minute things and getting everything done and making sure that it's right. So uh, obviously very important. 
the timing is everything on this thing because the last thing you want to do is have something come in after the deadline that will kill you as a business, that will kill you as a, a designer or if you have your own design business. Never, ever want to do that. Never want to do that. So make sure that you can uh, budget your time well. That's a very important thing to do. And of course, figuring out how much time you have and how much time you think you're going to need to get all these things done is very important because of that. Um, you don't want to have to be busting your ass the last night to try and get things done. Um, last one I have here is, do you understand the recs and specs of the job? Do you know what's required of you? Because you can't design for the purpose if we don't know it. We already said that one. But we also don't want to redo things over and over again. So what's required of us? Are there you know, certain color requirements that we need? Is there a certain size? And I say recs and specs. This is what's required of us, but it's also the specifications of the job, which, of course, again, should be given to you. Or you should be given some kind of idea to where you can figure out what the specifications need to be. So like I said, size, um, delivery, delivery method. Is this going to be print? Is it going to be web? And another thing that, that I, I'd like to talk about when I talk about this is when somebody wants to do a print piece with me, the first thing I ask them, unless I already know, you know, again, larger company, you can assume some more things. Smaller companies, if they want to do a print project, they want to do a flyer. First thing I ask them is, are you going to have this professionally printed or are you going to try and print it on your crappy printer at your own office? Because that can make all the difference in how you design the thing. What kind of colors you're using, what size it is, of course. You're not going to be able to use bleeds. So there's a lot of differences there. So you need to know these things ahead of time. Because if you start making something for a professional printer and then they say, oh, we're going to print it on our printer, you need to change some things to make it look okay. So delivery method. Number of colors I said already. Uh, actually, I said what colors, but number of colors as well. You don't want to be starting a piece that's four color and then they find out that they can only afford to do two color. And then, you know, that can, it, it might not be the hugest catastrophe, but it's going to waste your time. And that's the last thing you need, especially if you have that ag aggressive schedule. Uh, what kind of paper they want to use. I mean, some of these things you're not necessarily going to know right up front, but some of them, sometimes you need to know. Certain things need certain types of paper, certain weights of paper to, to make them work well. Um, and again, I, I hit on this limitation of web visitors. I, I keep bringing this up because this is my biggest headache right now. Doing the web job that I have, we still have people. And of course, you know, to know these things, we had to do, you know, all the, the tracking and the analytics and that kind of stuff. But it's a good thing to do because we know that people that use our website are still using really, really old browsers. Now, in most cases, in most browsers, things work. Most things work because they were built to the specifications of, you know, the, the WC3, whatever. All the CSS works, a lot of the JavaScript works in all of them. But when you're talking about Internet Explorer... It's the biggest headache of every single web developer and designer out there. And the reason is it comes free with the PC so people use it. But it doesn't necessarily make you upgrade the version. So we got people coming to our website that are still using version 4.01 and hardly anything works in that anymore. So we can't do we can't go all crazy with the JavaScript stuff. Even a lot of the CSS things don't work. If we try and make a CSS menu it doesn't work correctly in that. So these are things we have to take into account because we can see that there's still people coming in with these browsers. So um, I, I think that's probably the best illustration of that. You will have some, some other things like maybe just deciding which way to go with a project, whether you're going to make a mailer that you actually use snail mail to mail out to people or whether you use an email campaign. Well, it really depends on the people that, you're, that are in your audience. If you're catering to older people, and actually I wanted to bring this up because I heard this on the radio this morning and I thought it was pretty funny, but it was pretty relevant. But if you're, if you're catering to older people, chances are they're going to get the, the snail mail a lot easier than they're going to get email. They might not even have a computer. Uh, the thing I heard on the, on the radio this morning, they were talking about, um, you'll go to, I think they do it on American Idol, and uh, they were doing it at the baseball game because they have this final vote to get one of the guys in the All-Star game. And to do it, you vote by sending a text message from your phone. 
And these guys, uh, one of them was about, I don't know, in his 40s or something. And the other guy was a little bit older. But they're talking about, you know, how many people in between their 40s and 50s know how to do this? And people are calling in. They're like, I have no clue. I have no clue how to do this stuff. So just things like that, that maybe you don't readily think about. You got to think about who's in your audience and what's available to you. Are they going to understand what you're presenting to them or how you're presenting it to them? Are they going to be able to get it? So uh, just some things to think about there. I thought that was pretty interesting. Once we uh, nail all these things down, then we're ready to actually plan out the project. We know what our timeline looks like. We know what tools we're going to have to use and, and how difficult the task is. We know all the specs of our project. So we need, to, we need to lay that plan down so that we can follow it to the end and, and actually get this thing done and get it done correctly. So how can I survive the project? How can, how can I get it out on a time, in a timely fashion and still end up with a good result? And the last time we talked about motivation and procrastination, and definitely we want to stay on the right side of that one. And we talked about a couple of different ways to do that. If you have a very large job, you're going to want to chunk it into smaller pieces. And this is how you, this is how you start to formulate your plan. So one day I'm going to go out and do research. I'm going to talk to the client. The next day I'm going to do this. The next day I'm going to do this. And you kind of can have your little checklists and check things off as you do them. And it keeps it orderly and it, and it keeps it in a flow. You want to stay in a flow. You don't want to, uh, oh, well, I don't feel like doing this today. I can just move these items to tomorrow and do double the work. And then you get to that day and then you really don't want to do it because now you have twice the work to do. It's better to stay on schedule and, and get everything done in little pieces it's going to make you feel better about what you accomplished that day, but it's going to be a lot easier on you as well. And uh, it's just a better way to work. You don't want to get yourself into that thing where it's night before or two days before and you're just having to bust your ass trying to get everything done. And it's it's not going to come out the same way. Trust me, you're not going to have the time to develop your ideas the same way and things are just not going to be right. So make sure that you try and stay on that schedule. I know it's not the easiest thing to do. Procrastination is is just begging to be to be utilized every time. So uh, try and stay away from that though. Everyone has their own way of working, of course. So you kind of got, yeah, you have to find your own way to do it. And maybe your way isn't to, you know, make little checklists and get, you know, a certain amount of things done every day. Maybe your way is to take a day off every other day. And that's fine as long as that works for you, as long as you can still stay on your schedule. Again, you just don't want to get behind on these things. You have to give yourself enough time for each phase of this project. Like we said, we need time for research. We need time for the development part where we're figuring out, you know, what we need and how we're going to get it done. We need time definitely for the production. But don't also, don't forget that production isn't the end. Once you make that piece, you're going to take it back to them and they're going to hate it or they're going to want you to change quite a few things. You're going to have to go through the refinement process. You're going to have to go through many iterations of them saying, oh, but what if we did this? But what if we did this? And every, every client does it. So don't ever think that you're going to escape that and you're just going to be able to make one thing. They're going to be happy with it and you'll be done because it's not going to happen. So make sure you leave time for, for different iterations. And then, of course, the finishing. You want to make sure that you have time to go back and pre-flight uh, make sure you spell check, uh, make sure everything, all your T's are crossed, your I's are dotted, all the images are CMYK if it's print, RGB if it's not. Everything you have to do to make sure that that thing succeeds when it goes to the printer or succeeds and works when it's on the internet. You got to save time for all, every different phase of that project like that and and you should be golden every time. So now for the fun part. And that is coming up with the ideas. Probably the hardest part of the project every time, right? We know how we're going to attack this thing now. We have a plan of attack. We know which path we're going to use, which tools we're going to use, everything. We know everything about how to get this thing done. Now we just got to sit down, pencil and paper, and figure out what it is we're going to do. Now, don't forget at this phase that you can go back and, and think about, you know, we found out that there was a problem. We had some initial ideas maybe of how to solve that problem. And that 
obviously should tie directly into the, the little sketches that you start putting down to get ideas. And, you know, maybe you don't start with sketches. Maybe you start with some kind of, uh, maybe you start with some kind of charting process or just something to get your ideas all in line. But the one thing that we can't forget when we get to this point, when we start coming up with the ideas is everything that, that we gathered in the time, the hours or the days before that, all this research that we did obviously is very important. And I promise this is the last time I'll beat this dead horse, but we need to keep in mind the balance of you know what looks appealing versus what functions for the client, what solves that problem. We can't lose focus on that because that is the most important thing. We need to be able to communicate with this piece rather than just make it look good. Again, it's different for every project and everybody's going to have their own strategy for figuring this thing out. Uh, I read about a designer that, that first tries to envision different themes for their pieces, and I think this is a good way to do it. Uh, the example they had was presenting old fashion, and by fashion word, we're talking about like clothes fashion, presenting old fashions in a modern way. And you notice that that's really broad. It doesn't really tell you anything about, you don't even know what that piece was. But I think you kind of got to step back for a second and and do something like that, kind of think in broad terms, rather than uh, I'm going to put this picture here and I'm going to put this text here. Uh, that's not the way to start a project. You're going to drive yourself crazy. The first thing you want to do is is think in broad terms and think, okay, I'm trying to solve this certain problem. How am I going to do that? What's going to make the most sense? What relates to this business? I saw a lot of things when I went there. What is the general theme that I want for this piece to be? And then once you start to get a better idea of that, then you can start to hone in on those little details. Now, I think two things are, are kind of the keys to a lot of jobs, from what I've seen anyways. One of those is structure, and the other is feeling. And I think these two things will help you to, to really develop that theme once you have once you have some theme ideas. Structure, I always think of structure because... It has to do with with the type of project that you're working on. Everything that I work on at my full-time job has pretty much been very professional, very clean. Nothing is is abstract at all. On the other hand, if you looked at, uh, I, I in the last one, I, I gave a URL for a contest from Adobe and it was like, you know, creative design or whatever. And you were supposed to make this photo mashup. Photo mashups are, are very, very abstract. And you notice they've they've used that whole kind of concept throughout their campaign for the new creative suite. Obviously, it makes sense for them. But, you know, talking about structure and feeling, both of them, these are two very different things. And I think they're, again, going to each extreme, whereas Adobe is super, super off-the-wall stuff, very off-the-wall artwork, and, and very the people that use these things, they know the message already. That way they can just make something very appealing that, that brings you in and, and gives you good ideas about things. Whereas on the other hand, at, at my business, these people are more business people. These people are people that like spreadsheets, uh, if you can imagine that. They like their information very, very formatted in special ways so that they can find the information that they need to find. They don't want some crazy photo mashup with different things that don't belong together mucking up the page. If there is going to be graphics, then they need to be very clean looking in all the right places and everything needs to have its own space. It needs to be very balanced. Whereas, you know, going back to the Adobe thing, there's there's no rhyme or reason to it. There could be, you know, an image that takes up the whole right side of uh, the page of a flyer, maybe. And then one little teeny tiny blurb of text that's, you know, just randomly placed on the page. So... Again, extremes, you're probably going to be more in the middle of this, but thinking about these two things and which way you need to go, I think will help you to develop the piece that you need to develop. But just knowing these things, does it need to be more structured or does it, does it, can it be more freeform? And what kind of feeling are you sending out? You know, is it kind of a more professional thing or do you have some freedom? Do you, do you have the ability to, 
kind of be a little more free with what you're, what you're saying or what you're putting out there to people. Next on the list is inspiration. And I did a whole episode on this before. We could talk for years and years about this and debate about it. So I'm not going to really go into it that much. Um, I do, hmm, we'll see if I can find that again. Since I am doing this, um, I didn't mention that before, but for those of you who didn't listen to the last little blurb, I am doing this for the second time. I recorded the whole thing and it didn't work. So uh, I had this I had this website picked out and it's actually Freelance Switch. We actually put this in the bullpen before, I believe. And this article was 34 Places for Inspiration. Hmm. Let me see if I can find this because I wanted to read some of the things off of there. It was different places to find inspiration. And we talked about some of this when we talked about inspiration, but I thought it was good. This particular article, though, it went through a bunch of websites and a bunch of books. And sorry, this is annoying, but got to find it. This person writes a lot. Uh, anyways, it was websites and books and places to go. And that was the one that I wanted to share with you because I thought there were some pretty cool ones in there. Okay, I finally found it. Uh, <laughs> the first place, is, the first thing that she writes is to visit an art gallery. And I think this is a, a great idea. Again, keeping in mind, no, wait, I said I wasn't going to talk about it again. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, you can only get so much out of visiting an art gallery. You don't want to imitate the art unless you're going to use it for uh, in some way to to really reach your goal. Next one is to check out a charity store. And I think they mean like a thrift store type of thing. Great idea because there's lots of old stuff in there that may inspire you with the, the different kinds of designs that they use throughout history. And another good thing is to just maybe look for some historical advertising or things like that. I think you can find some really, really good inspirational things in those. Uh, photographing interesting textures and colors. And we talked about this one before. If you have a camera, you don't have to have a big old digital SLR. If you just have a point and shoot, you can take some great pictures and you can take pictures that can, you, you can use in your projects. If you're just using it for a texture, um, you can do things like using it in Photoshop and the texturizer, and it doesn't even really matter if it's that great of a picture. You're just really getting the textures out of the picture to use it for some other special effect, but definitely a great thing to do. Um, again, not always using the picture per se as a picture in your, your layout, but using it for other purposes. I think that's a, a very good point. Uh, next one, she says, wander through some street art and, uh, this won't always work, but if you're in a an area where there's lots of good street art, then this might be a great thing to do. I know where I live, it's all pretty much just tagging people with no imagination. So it uh, doesn't really work for me. Go to the movies for trailers and posters. I thought this was a great one. Um, posters, I think, are, are very inspirational. Uh, if you actually work in video and stuff like that, I think you can really get a lot out of trailers. But uh, I, th I think it's really kind of limited to that. I'm sure you could get ideas from trailers, but uh, if you're working in print, I think the posters is, is a little more related to what you're doing. Go to a record store and check out some album art. And this is kind of a dying breed, but there still is some good stuff out there. I think with the way that music's, music's going and people are downloading stuff online now, the album art is kind of going, uh, going away, but there are still record stores out there, believe it or not. And uh, you can find this stuff, and there definitely is some good stuff. I think a lot of people probably know this, and a lot, I think a lot of people out there that become designers want to do something like music or movies because you do kind of have that free range where you can do some pretty abstract stuff. And that's why I think that these things are so cool, and, and it's a good idea to go look at them because they're not really too restricted on what they can do, and that's why it can, it's good to give you some ideas. Uh, visit a foreign food store. Everybody's got their own different way of, of designing things and pa packaging different items. So I think that's a good idea. Uh, even if you can't read what it says, you'll be able to get some. And actually, maybe that's a good thing that you can't read it. You just kind of get a broad idea of, of what they're trying to communicate to you with the packaging and with the colors and, and the imagery that's on it. Um, 
yeah, it might actually be to your benefit that you can't read it. Get on a bus and view signage. And if you're talking about signage as road signs, probably not going to give you much, but absolutely with billboards and uh, signage on buildings, that kind of thing, I think is is very big. I know it is. I know it's big in the U.S. I'm sure that it is in other countries as well. But lots of different crazy things going on there. And the last one is to wander through some antique stores. I think that's a great, great idea. Um, as I said, there's a lot to learn from the past. There's lots of different things that were going on back then that were actually pretty amazing. That and and you notice that different trends come back and forth. You know, they'll go out for a while and then they'll come back. So always good to have something like that in your hip pocket. And and even if you're not looking at an ad per se from you know 20, 30 years ago, just looking at the way a, a piece of furniture was designed can give you inspiration, can give you ideas about you know what that time period is. So it's it's not always that literal either. So sometimes you got to look around and find the stuff. And of course, I'm t- I'm speaking to graphic designers, but you know if you're a, an industrial designer or a fashion designer, absolutely things you can find in those places that that will help you help inspire you to to make your project better. So just to sum it all up, uh, once you identify where your design is in the whole grand scheme of things, where it is in this array of what should it be doing? What should the grand theme be? And what kind of should it look like? Then you, you're ready to move on to the real development stages of this project and, and into the production and start getting things going. Um, I think it's important to make sure that you do all those things first, though, and identify all these all these answers to your questions that you have of, of what it's supposed to look like and what it's supposed to do. And then once you start actually producing the artwork, it's going to be a lot easier. Otherwise, you're going to be have to you're going to have to try and figure these things out as you're going. It's just not the right way to do it. So, I think we laid out some pretty good steps here. It's it's not perfect. It's not a perfect science, and it never will be. And that's why we get paid the big bucks if we do. Um, but I think it'll put you on a, a pretty good path to to being able to figure out your own way to work and and really approach a, a job the correct way and get it done correctly and get it done on time and come out with that good result that we want. Now that's what I call a rookie mistake. Our rookie tip for today actually comes from something that I read on the forums. It was something that, that somebody had brought up after we did the podcast on ethics. And I think they were talking about they had found some kind of lead for some design work they told their friend or associate or somebody that does design as well. And that person went ahead and took the lead and, and went behind their back and, and took the business away from them. And, and I thought this brought up a very, very good subject of you need to be careful who you tell the intimate details of your business, especially something like that. Uh, another thing that I do not tell anybody is how much I charge people. You know, I work through, I, I work for a couple different customers and I work through the same marketing person for both of those clients. I don't generally tell even her how much I'm charging these clients because she doesn't need to know that. And especially her because she does work for two of my different clients. And I don't want her telling either or client how much I charge the other one because, you know, let's say I'm giving a deal to one and not the other. They're going to be pretty angry if they find that out. So definitely something like that. You have leads for for business. You don't want to be telling your competition. Even if your competition happens to be your friend, you never know what they're going to do. And the last thing you need is more more competition going for the work that you think you have secured already. So be very, very careful with that. Uh, I have another example of a friend that was out on the East Coast and found this cool little clothing shop that was not like anything on the West Coast. She came up with this big business plan, uh, even found places for them to move in San Francisco, which is where she lived, and went and proposed this to them. The problem was she had absolutely no stake in this business at all. She was just kind of like an outsider coming in, giving them a really good idea. So what did they do? They moved to San Francisco, opened a shop, and uh, kind of franchised their business, did very well for themselves, and cut her out completely. So again... Same kind of thing. She had great ideas, 
good business ideas, but you that's that's why things like copyrights, that's why things like uh, contracts are in place. So people can't steal ideas or people can't because they will. They will. If, if they can go behind your back somehow and cut you, cut out the middleman, cut you out and not have to pay you anything, then they're going to do that. So, um, again, let's remember that not everyone has the best uh, ethics or morals. So we have to prepare, prepare for that and keep very intimate details of our business to ourselves. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Our resources for today, there's a couple of them. Uh, the first one I thought was pretty cool. I, I didn't know if it would be relevant to everyone, so I added another one. And actually, um, this is for kind of Mac users or potential Mac users. And it's a it's a website called My Dream App. You can find it at mydreamapp.com. And what it is a, is a competition. And this is the second year they've had it. And I thought it was pretty cool because this competition is for designers who have an idea for an application, but they're not able to make it. Now, actually this year being the second year, they, they added a second one for developers. So one competition is you send in your ideas for an application. And then the second contest is, I guess, whoever wins that one, the second contest will be the developers go in and try and make that application. So the cool thing here is, you know, if you win this thing, first of all, you don't have to know how to make the application. Second of all, if you win, you get to actually have your application made. So very cool stuff. I just thought it was cool because every once in a while I get an idea. I'm like, man, that would be cool if I had this certain tool that did this. But there's absolutely no way I'd be able to do that myself. So anyways, uh, check that out. MyDreamApp.com. The second one is uh, a website that one of I was talking about one of the articles I read. I couldn't find that article. I'm kind of keeping with the uh, the theme today that I can't find anything, but it's a very good website anyways, and it's at graphicdefine.org, and that's define like a definition, so graphicdefine.org, and it's just lots of, of good, it's a blog, and you can actually uh, subscribe to it if you use an RSS reader. I've been getting very into that myself, getting the uh, RSS feeds, but um just, just good things to know and, and very general topics, the same kind of stuff that we talk about up here. So I thought that was pretty relevant. So check that one out too. All right. So just a couple items before we get out of here. Again, please tell a friend or a stranger or anyone you think would like to listen to this. Tell them about it. Tell them where it is. Tell them how to subscribe. Um, you can contact me if you need to. If you have any questions. Uh, if you want to share something with me, which I ask that you do. And again, I'll put that call out to, to anybody who's a member of AIGA or any other organization such as that. I'd like to hear your story about what's going on there and uh, what kind of benefits you're getting from that. But you can contact me, adam at rookiedesigner.com. Uh, you can go to MySpace and sign up, myspace.com slash designer. You can Skype me and send me an instant message at username titanstrides. Or you can go to the new new look, new spam-free forum. And hopefully we're going to get some of those uh, bogus users out of there pretty soon too. So we'll be we'll have a well-oiled machine, but lots of cool people up there, lots of great conversations. I've noticed it's been in a bit of a lull lately, and hopefully that wasn't because of the spam, but if it was, the spam is gone. So let's uh, continue the conversation. Uh, one last thing, uh, if you do want to go nominate the podcast... Just go to podcastawards.com and you can do that there. And please uh, throw a vote out to Plan 9 Rock Show for the Podsafe music as well. And that's about it. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being patient with me. I know this uh, came out later than you wanted it to and later than I wanted it to. But um, the schedule just doesn't always permit, especially when I spend an hour recording and then have to do it again. So anyways, thanks for sticking with me. Thanks for subscribing and uh, new listeners. Thanks for showing up. Hopefully you liked what you heard and thank you all for spreading the word about rookie designer. Just remember everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's high. Sign it up being a mad bastard. So-called selfish man. He's always chewing it up. One, two, one, two, three, four!
Well, I hope it was worth the wait, that's all I can say. <laughs>